Welcome to Europedia Weekly SBS podcast on European affairs. This week, the Fivre Macron. The Macron fever has swept not only through France, but also across Western Europe. A young, dynamic, popular president turns politics on its heads and makes history. Not only did 66% of the people vote for him, but as of this week, he has an absolute majority in Parliament too. So what will the Macron rule mean for Europe? And what does it mean for the future of the continent? Welcome again to Europedia, an outside view on Europe provided by insiders. I'm your host, Oliver Heute. France. Change is possible, writes the German business paper Handelsblatt this week. And the man with this challenging task is Emmanuel Macron, the maverick French president. To discuss exactly that, I would like to welcome on the panel my guests, starting with Christophe Mallet. Christophe is the head of the French program here at SBS, not the first time on Europedia. And he has covered the election in France, not only from Australia, but also from New Caledonia. Correct. You've done your research well. Uh, thank you. And uh, our second guest on the panel, very glad she could make it tonight, is uh, Gabrielle Suder from the Melbourne Business School. She was born in Germany, studied in the UK and spent around 20 years living in France. And now she also has become a French citizen. And uh, she's uh, currently re-releasing her book, Doing Business in Europe. That's true. Thank you very much so for having me. So you can give us an economic <laughs> background to the whole thing as well. Thank you. Our third guest on the panel is Stéphane Redi. He is also a proud Frenchman and he works in Melbourne as a consultant in the pharmaceutical sector. He also speaks fluent German and has a good understanding of French-German relations. Good evening, Oliver. Now, France, of course, is a famous country. Everyone knows France. Everyone has had some sort of experience with French people, with French products, cuisine. It's on Australian TV quite a lot. And now we also know a Frenchman that might become even more popular, more famous than previous presidents. We're talking about a 39-year-old man called Emmanuel Macron. He has written history already with his results. Um, he has now an absolute majority in parliament. He's been voted to be president of the Grand Nation for five years. So he really has the tools in his hands to make a difference, to make France, perhaps even Europe, great again. First of all, Emmanuel Macron, new president. Gabriel, what was your first reaction? Well, a very positive one, because um, given that um, Marine Le Pen was his uh, opponent, I think that France has really only been winning in, in, in the way in which people voted. So definitely an extremely good outcome, also on a European level. Stefan? I would agree. I would say, of course, you know, um, Gabriela referred to the, uh, the the second round, uh, you know, between the, the, the two candidates that qualified uh I also think that Emmanuel Macron was quite an exciting candidate, even for the first round. And we can elaborate on that maybe a bit more later. But I think he probably is the first president since the beginning of the Fifth Republic and the General de Gaulle, uh, bringing a new vision to the country, whether it will eventuate according to, you know, what his intentions are. We'll see. Um, but the Fifth Republic was tailor-made for the General de Gaulle, and uh, we've had pretty good managers Having said that, it's it's a pretty powerful role as you know the president of, of the of the French Republic under that system, and without you know strong leadership, 
uh, it can be quite challenging. Very interesting statement. So what you've just said pretty much is that um, everyone in between him and De Gaulle was pretty much um, keeping a seat warm for Macron, who is now a uh, look, to the I, challenge. I, I, I wouldn't push it that far, but I would say... There were some pretty exciting moments. You know, if you think of the single European Act in, in 1986 and how this was the incipit of the uh, the European construction beyond, you know, purely uh, an economic club, it was quite an exciting time to manage, you know. And if you think like early 80s, you know, Thatcher, Mitterrand, Cole, they were all heading in different directions. Yeah, probably the General de Gaulle made history with his vision for France and the Fifth Republic in 1958. And it's the very first time that I hear a new president having an updated vision about what the country should be in the future. And uh, Christophe, you're from the French team here at SBS. Maybe you can tell our listeners a bit more about this man. I've already said he's 39. He's very young. He's charismatic. He's good looking, some say. And who is this man? Uh, good question. Uh, first of all, I think I'll summarize on how I felt. Uh, as a journalist, I felt very... Uh, contented uh, it was it was a good news story but as a person I felt excited for the country uh, and it's hard for me to say but uh, as a French person yes I was excited about what what was ahead of France and the fact that um, you know after the Trump election after Brexit uh, the fact that in this world French people were seen as the sane people on this planet uh, that that was quite a feel-good story um, ask who is Emmanuel Macron um, two years ago no one almost knew him You know, he was a, a member of a government that was, uh, in the eyes of the opinion, failing. Uh, and he's the one that came out of the bag uh, early in the race. Everyone ruled him out. And from the start, he was known as the bubble. He's the candidate of the internet, candidate of the Facebook likes. Uh, and then all of a sudden, he was there ahead of everybody else. He got elected. And then, as you just said, he got large, very large majority at the parliament. So and he's a surprise, uh, but I think it's he's, 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 he's very interesting what's happening in France at the minute. Well, it's really surprising as well because the system in which the French um, president and also the, the National Assembly are, are voted for, are elected, um, normally favors rather the traditional parties, in particular the bigger parties. And so here you've got a party, well, you've got, first of all, a man who... Um, innovates and who comes up with this new party and that's in April 2016 so it's been a really really recent uh, establishment foundation of a party so here he comes with something totally new uh, very 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 small really uh, as he as he started to go into the the presidential ele yeah. elections and then really this outburst where where um, so many people signed up for him towards him, but also the party altogether. So he's been able to, to attract so many people, for example, the people were in the socialist parties, but they were, that were rather towards the right, then the center-right as well, and, and, and just people who also wanted to have something new and want to have that in the future and really sign up for that. At the same time, that brings so many <coughs> challenges. So certainly he's got the um, majority, the absolute majority now, um, being being the president and having that is really really strong. Puts so much power into his hands. Yeah. But then also he's he's having so many political novices. And the, the I think the what an important part of it as well. He was able to capture the fact that people were fed up with normal ancient politics, yeah. but not in an extremist way. So mm -hmm. not in a Brexit, yes, no, let's get out of it 
or, or in a Trump way. Mm. Yeah. He was able to put some rational behind it. And people were almost, you know, dreaming. I think France just had its Obama moment. Uh, whether or not out of the eight years uh, of Obama, and uh, will it be the same after five or ten years of, of Emmanuel Macron? There's a lot to answer to it. Yeah. But really, this is where I think France is at the minute. I think that's an interesting comparison you're making because Obama moment certainly because of the something new, something that hasn't been there, the diversity of it um, and, and that feeling of renewal. But at the same time, I'm not entirely agreeing with the it, this is not a Trump moment either because just as Trump, Macron is pro-business. And I think people wanted, want, want to have somebody who is driven by business by bringing something to the economy that we haven't seen in a long time, simply because that's really what, what pretty much defines the mood around France at this moment. So the French time. want to get their country going with a technocrat president, as he's also called, because he is theoretically almost a technocrat. You could say that. He's coming from outside and uh, he has a skill. He's got a banking background, I believe. He has a banking background. Uh, he, he, he still is uh, like you know a senior civil servant. You know mm -hmm. he did uh, sort of sort of the classics and you know, French sort of CV of you know top politicians going to Sciences Politique Paris and the uh, Ecole Nationale d'Administration. So you know he has the sort of the, the same pedigree, if you like, as um, you know every very senior mm -hmm. French politician. But yeah, he's um, he's worked uh, for um, the bank sector already. What, what I find exciting and truly Republican in that, you know, Republican meaning the general interest, is that he thinks that politics should be, you know, everybody's concern. Uh, contributing to, to a country, to a society, is something everybody could do. And actually, if you look at the number of non-professional politicians now who are member of the parliament, I think it's unheard of. What is also unheard of is a number of, you know... Uh, is actually the gender diversity now. Uh, but anyway... But, so that but surely that's not the, the one driving this election because France can't be in the best state if something like this was mm. possible. So it's, if, if something he, is going well, people would re-elect the parties they already had. The socialists yeah. were really absolutely smashed in this election. Mm. They're pretty much non-existent now. So let's talk about current... French politics and what really moves the people on the streets. What, what are the main problems? I've heard of an unemployment rate, about 10%, a huge debt as well. So you as French insiders, in what state is France? Well, we all left it uh, <laughs> to, to come in <laughs> here. So there's probably a, a reason why we're here as well. Um, but I, I think... Uh, at the minute, people are not really thinking about this. I mean, there's a summer holidays coming as well. This is playing probably in his favor in, in, in getting uh, some, some glory around his, his time at the minute. Uh, the real challenge will be at La Rentrée, which we call it, in September, um, and how much work he, him and his team will be able to do in the next couple of months. Uh, this is the real challenge for him. Um, so, But in, in terms of the, the previous government, you're right, he, he was part of that previous government. Uh, so it's incredible how he was able to carry on this legacy, but only for the positives he didn't bring any of the the bad luggage the bad the, the bad the bad with him you know mm -hmm. and and that's very skillfully in terms of how he's been able to market himself and his movement i think that's that's absolutely right and it's really interesting when you look at what happened because people went with went into the elections the pres presidentials and now the the um, parliamentary elections with that with two concerns two main concerns one economic and one really the uncertainty that um, 
is geopolitical and that is also stemming from from terrorism from also from migration etc so 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 quite a lot of things that worry people so they want to change and what we said previously about um, his party being totally new is not only something that brings certain risks, but it also brings a lot of opportunity. And I think people have been able to see that and really pick that up. Now, the question is, what would have happened if Marine Le Pen wouldn't have come that far? But having a choice between change that is very pro-business, very pro-European, etc., or rather extremist, people have definitely had their say and said, well, we have certain values and we want to um, make sure that these values continue to, to, to progress through France, through the EU and through all the multilateral organizations as well. Because you said previously, France is um, a very powerful country, finally, if you look at the world map. Um, France is part of all the important multilaterals. It's a G7, G8 country, etc., etc. So while in France... Um, the atmosphere isn't always quite that um, positive and optimistic. Relatively speaking, France is doing well. But people just need, in that context, need to see They need to be told movement. that it's doing well. or Is, that, is that what he does? That. Is that what he does well? He tells them how good France it. is doing. Absolutely. Um, and, and also hand in hand with, well, with Germany and with, with other countries that yeah. are having those Stefan, values. do you agree that the economy and migration are the two major concerns for the French people right now? They are, but not, not only for France. As for migration, I think Macron has quite um, sort of a hybrid view, uh, humanitarian and tough at the same time. It's interesting that, you know, he doesn't, um, belittle uh, the role of you know uh, the French president. He he actually is quite strict on um, police, borders control, but also he has a vision for that as part of a of a broader European uh, collaboration. Back on the the, the major major yeah. issues. So the economy. Gabriel yeah. said France is doing relatively well. Yeah. Um, there's some that that would argue against it, like. The, you know, it's been called it the sick man of Europe economy-wise because, yes, there are some massive corporations uh, and big, big companies. But, again, there's a, it's a big unemployment rate as well and there's a huge foreign debt. Uh, uh, to me, what is very interesting about France is that um, people seem to have a strong opinion about work. You have the pro-work and the anti-work to an extent. Whereas, you know, in a number of other, of other countries, work is just part of life. But in France, you have, like, the workaholics and the people who try to take advantage of the, sit of the situation. And you have some people between the two, but... It's probably more polarized than I've seen in other countries where work is just something, you know, that is essential, that is liberating, uh, that you that is just part of your life. Whereas in France, it seems to be something that is also subject to strong opinions. You know? And we have the strong union movements and the demonstrations that hardly any other um, European country sees on the streets and on the television screens that we even see here sometimes. Christoph, is France a really hard, difficult country to govern, even though he has an absolute majority? Well, what's the tricky part about governing France? I think we are really just about to find out, to be perfectly honest, because if there is a chance to change That's things, it's comment, now. Yeah. You know, it's right yeah. now. Yeah. It's anything. If you look back at what's been done in the last 50 years, uh, this is a, uh, the real potential change or chance for change in France is now, is in the next year or so. And also see how the, the street, how the people are, are reacting, because that's true. We look at numbers and we go, he's got huge numbers. And 
having an absolute majority in the parliament means also that there is very little opposition. Mathematically, that's what it means. Uh, and the real opposition, where would that be? Is that going to be the people on the street as well? Uh, and how is he going to make sure to manage this? Because, like you rightly said, French people are very quick to go down the street and, and, and complain and, and protest. Is this going to be the case? Uh, and I've got no crystal ball, but I think we are just about to find out. But having said that, what was unique about En Marche was that it was a bottom-up approach as opposed to the traditional top-down. Um, the movement was actually started you know, with just people going around the street, talking to people. There were local committees organized all around the country to actually help write what ended up being the program of the party. It was actually asking normal citizens, uh, you know, what their opinion were, and not in, in a binary fashion the way a referendum would, uh, and sometimes, you know, by an ill-asked question. It was actually working together and figuring out what this society wants now. <laughs> You're listening to Europedia on SBS. Today we're talking about a lucky man, Emmanuel Macron. He's the new French president, and here are some reactions that we've heard. We start in Spain. The foreign minister, Alfonso Dastas, said European countries need to get their act together, need to re-examine and constantly improve the European project. From Britain, George Osborne said, Congratulations to my friend. Proof you can win from the center. At last, the chance for the leadership that France needs. And from Germany, Peter Altmaier, he's Merkel's chief of staff, he tweeted, The result for Emmanuel Macron shows France and Europe can win together. The middle is stronger than the populists believe. Here we are in the middle of a European discussion France, Germany, the old tandem. Will it be revived? It wasn't going too well in the last couple of years. I believe so, yeah, absolutely. And look, um, both France and Germany have a lot to say, of course, in the EU altogether. Um, would Marine Le Pen have been elected? I think uh, the future of the EU would be, there would be a, a huge question mark. Uh, over it in particular because Brexit had taken place just beforehand, etc., etc. And in, 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 in the entire context, geopolitical context of Trumpism, uh, isolationism and, 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 and those tendencies, it would have been something really, really, well, almost fatal probably for, for, for the EU. We don't have that case, so that's good. Um, we have somebody here where we talked about uh, Macron's banking um, background. We have somebody here who, for example, is going to support the banking union that um, the European Union has had just um, signed up for in 2012. So that's a joint initiative where um, we actually supervise what the bank, uh, banks are doing across the EU. So across, at this moment in time, 28 countries and then 27, but maybe the EU will grow again. Yeah. There are loads of candidate countries actually attracted to being part of, of the EU. So so that's just one example of what difference it actually so means. This sounds very positive, but um, Macron also had, in, in prior to the election, quite a few aggressive statements towards Germany as well, where he you know, criticized the German export policy and, and the way the economy is run. And Is it all going to be rosy between Merkel and Macron, assuming that she will be well, re-elected? It's Europe. Come on. <laughs> it's European Union. Of course he won't. Well, <laughs> and, and, and plus, you know, Macron is actually supportive of a stronger European integration. He wants Europe to have a minister of economy and finance. 
he's actually pushing for a for a revitalized, refreshed, and contemporary vision of the European Union. He actually proposed uh, to have the same sort of you know bottom-up approach as he had for En Marche, sort yeah. of transposed to other European countries. Uh, but yet down the track, he wants this fresher vision, and he wants people to be committed to make Europe exciting again. You know, to to revitalize the division that might have gotten a little bit lost uh, after the the latest, you know, significant enlargement, 2005. Ten countries joining the club at the same time. It's a lot of new members. You know, moving from 15 to 25, yep. regardless of who these countries are. It, it, the the integration therefore sort of you know became a huge focus for the last decade and, and I think now yeah Macron uh, and hopefully some other Euro European uh, partners will be very exciting in uh, shaping together with European citizen uh, again uh, a fresh and a new vision mm -hmm. that people find exciting. But in isn't Europe. he going to alienate uh, certain states in the EU who are quite skeptical at the moment? I'm thinking particularly about Eastern Europe. To some extent, certainly, but that, that's what democracy is about, that's what debate is about, that's, that's why we work together, because we try to find solutions to, to complex issues that we have all across the EU, or sometimes even all across you know, much, much greater, bigger areas, sometimes worldwide. We try to do that together, and so if we don't have debate, if there aren't different opinions, and sometimes you know we get a bit into a heated debate. If we don't do that, then we're not going to go towards the solution. And also, you're coming from a relatively negative uh, approach on your question. I think you can reverse the question and say, is it actually not a chance for Europe? Is it not just, mm. has it not just saved Europe? A savior. Because, yeah, yeah has it not just modernized Europe? Because all those countries that you, you mentioned could be alienated, then could they also be modernized? You know, is it not a new era for Europe? Because Brexit has happened, you know, it's, there's no going back to it. Uh, if Britain wants to go back uh, in, into uh, into the European Union, it will take generations to, to, to do so. So that's the New Deal. And is he, is he not the new leader of this New Deal? Uh, and, and with the help probably of Germany, is that is that probably not for the best? I would I would argue positively that it is, you know. And and again, you know, he, he doesn't only want stronger integration for the economy and finances, but he wants stronger integration for border protection, for instance, um, to actually have clearer and streamlined decision-making processes and actually people accountable on behalf of the of the union. Mm, I agree 100%. And I also in defense... Um, well, again, referring to what's happening elsewhere in the world, um, <laughs> if the EU wasn't st uh, strengthening its, its common defense, um, we wouldn't have the same saying in NATO, for example. We've seen what happened when the NATO members came together. Um, I'm also thinking climate change, the Paris Agreement. Absolutely. Same thing. It's the same scenario. So, yes, fresh wind, something dynamic that is happening. Um, the candidates for the upcoming German elections have definitely paid attention to what's happening in France and how we can work together. Uh, each one of the candidates look, looks at that. So it's definitely and, and 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 plus, you know, that there there are really heavy heavyweight players globally, like the U.S., like China. You know, if any European country wants to actually have a, a visible and you know significant influence uh, in that space, seeing Europe as you know uh, an area with half a billion people who can also you know apply the same sort of rules that you know the US would apply or China would apply. I find this I find this discussion fascinating because just a few weeks ago here on Europedia we've had British guests due to the general election in Great Britain, 
And four guests all agreed on exactly the opposite of what you were saying. So that's why they're I'm, living. I'm very excited <laughs> that um, you French citizens that you are are very pro-European. You're very excited oh, yes. about Macron, and you think it's actually an opportunity for the continent to reshape itself, to get into shape in the world. Uh, market and also to unite a bit more than it was. And I think for Brexit as well, and I know it's not necessarily the subject of today, but in terms of the European Union, Brexit is also showing other countries that it's not actually as that easy to leave European Union. And once you got the good going in the EU, the grass is not necessarily greener elsewhere. Britain is probably the only country country that could make Brexit a success because how strong they, they were. But look at how almost down they are right now. Uh, and it's almost like someone like Macron and France all of a sudden um, was seen before as a, this aging country and this country that stuck in its old ways straight away in a flip of, the, of a dice just came a lot more modern and they, all, all the other countries look very old, you know, in their ways. Straight away. So it's, it's a lot about down to public opinion. But I think in, if you look at public opinion in each country, I don't think people in countries that think of living see Brexit as an easy escape. You know, and they see this as a com very complex issue. Yeah, and there have, there have been downwards trends across Europe, I think, for populist movements and, and right-wing politicians who have, I mean, look at UKIP in the UK, yeah. um, who have sort of uh, really taken a hit. So maybe the Brexit has saved Europe. Maybe it has. And also Donald Trump managed to unite... The Europeans. continent <laughs> uh, by certain speeches and remarks. And we've seen Macron just recently where he ducked away from uh, from Donald Trump just to shake Angela Merkel's hand first, just to make that statement. He's a polite person. He's a <laughs> women first. Um, But uh, yeah, also pro-European, obviously. <laughs> yeah. uh, On Europedia today, we're talking about a new man in European politics. Uh, we've got him for at least five years. If everything goes according to plan, his name is Emmanuel Macron. We've got three French guests here on the panel. Now, so far, I haven't learned much about the French, I have to say, except for that they have a very unique approach towards work. Stefan, before you said they either love it or workaholics or they don't like it so much, there's only a few middle in between. Well, I mean, no, don't get me wrong. I mean, uh, you know, some people see work as a necessary evil. So, you know, they will still do their work well, but they will make sure they don't blend, yeah. you know, the other parts of their lives that are valuable to them with their work obligations. So they will do what is expected from them, and they will do it as well as possible. And but, you, have but, an, you have an outside view on the French because yeah. you've lived in Australia, you speak fluent German, so you really know both sides. Conversely, yes, yeah, you have people who are, who are like work 24-7 in France and like they're like worshipping work, whereas, you know, work has a central role in everybody's life. We tend to have, um, we tend to sometimes be single-minded on, you know, the way we see things or think through things. Um, Because, you know, people have developed an appreciation, a way of thinking. Uh, there's probably, like, you know, long design, you know, backing these strong opinions. Uh, but because they're so good and, and compelling, they tend to become everybody's opinion. And whenever you try to change something, you have, like, immense roadblocks to, over, you know, to, to accommodate mm. because the status quo is, is, is actually reasonably attractive in a number of ways i mean uh, until you, you you really get like a complete you know disconnect between yeah. reality uh, and maybe well established ways now you've just said that there is a huge resistance to change sometimes in france the passion that we talked about people go to the streets you know the the um, external parliamentary opposition why are the french people like this christophe what's what's your understanding 
Well, uh, 1789, we made a certain revolution in France. And then I think uh, more than that, just the, the revolution that has happened in 1788, 1789, all the way through to nearly 1800, um, I think the French people uh, took the, the, the destiny into their hand and they decided that it's not necessarily uh, the way it is. Uh, the street will have a say. In it and 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 has been ingrained in in every single one of yeah. us. Even uh, That's I guess, your education, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I guess I guess yeah. education teaches you uh, to, to revolt, to well, stand to, up, yeah, to yeah. contest a little bit. Maybe not to contest, to, to, to conform, but also to to debate. Yeah, you know, the critical thinking is a massive, massive uh, part of the French education, and which we are you often don't... seen as whingers abroad yeah. because yeah. we actually say our mind, you know, rather than being polite and, and yeah. just, yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. And it's not your fault yeah. because you've been brought up that way. So yeah. the, the yeah. English polite way, you're not too successful yeah. over here. Um, even the, the methodology that the kids learn in school when they write their essays. Yeah. That you have yeah. to Thaise give Thaise, arguments, Thaise, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. the pro, the counter, etc., mm. etc. All of that, that's really ingrained in the education in France. Fascinating. And uh, Gabriel, I really want to stress that you are just a recent graduate <laughs> of the French uh, <laughs> citizenship system. Welcome, by the way. Bienvenue. Thank you. Merci. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations from us as well. So you are now a French citizen. You were able to vote. Yep. In Australia, there's a huge debate at the moment on citizenship, what it means to become an Australian and how many years you have to wait, how good your English has to be. How did you find the French? process to become a French citizen? Uh, not as easy as I thought, um, given that it's an EU country and that I come out of originally an e uh, another EU country, Germany. I would have expected it to be slightly <laughs> more easy and straightforward, but um, so quite, quite a bit of paperwork actually. Um, and look, for many, many years I didn't feel the need to become French because I considered well, I'm German, I have a British education, I live in France, etc., etc., all of that. It's very European. I, I had the possibility of, of voting in the local elections and also in the European elections. But at some moment in time, I, I started to feel somewhat frustrated not to be able to vote for the presidential and the parl parliamentarian, uh, the parliament as well. Um, I think once you've been a resident for a long time, you... Not only you pay the taxes, but you really engage, you commit, you 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 bring yourself to the country. And I think all all of us here in the studio have done that, and many of of the listeners as well. It's just um, well, it's a recognition of the country when you're accepted as a citizen, but it's also for the person, for the individual, a way of showing full commitment and adhesion to the values of the country. And. What do you love about the French? I mean, there must be a good reason why you put yourself through the application process and, and yeah. learn the language fluently as well. Well, apart from the fact that I love my French family, of course, and my German family and my Swiss family, but uh, here in, 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 in that scenario, it was the French family. Apart from that, I've enjoyed living in France a lot. Um, so are, are they just the stereotypes? Are I, they really I, that I elegant and, and they, they watch their diet or they don't watch their diet? They still, <laughs> they still don't put on weight? The, la or? the ladies definitely watch their diets. There's no, no doubt about <laughs> that. <laughs> I find I find the French um, people bold and, and courageous. And what Stefan was saying, that sometimes uh, French people come across as people who argue too much. It's, it's really, it's all about this intellectual curiosity and this um, real enjoyment in, in, in taking ideas, in throwing ideas in the air and, and, and uh, balancing out at the end of it what, what makes the most sense. 
And that sometimes means, again, we're coming back to it, that people go onto the street and make their voice heard that way. They also do it in all sorts of other ways. And that's, that's, that's really inspiring. Critical thinking is big in France. That is correct. Last question <laughs> uh, for the two gentlemen on the panel. Are, are you really the Grand Nation? Well, look, I mean, there is no perfect place. Uh, having said that, France has many great assets. And I think, you know, as in everything, these are the ones that you should be focusing on. France can also retain its soul, you know, its its, its values, its its key features while, you know, keeping on evolving. So, yeah, it, 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 it can be a great nation that is... Uh, you know, still uh, being built and that will continue being built as time goes by and as the world changes. So being French and European doesn't exclude each other. Christophe, last word. Is France a grand nation? Oui. Wonderful. Thank you very much for this <laughs> brief answer to my guests here, Christophe Mallet, Gabriel Souda and Stefan Redi. Coming up, does Turkey still have a place in Europe? First a coup, then a very highly controversial referendum And now an ever more powerful president who seems to have more foes than friends, especially in Europe. We will talk to Turkish Australians and people who have a very special connection to Turkey on Europedia in next week's episode. Europedia, an outside view on Europe provided by Insiders. I'm your host, Oliver Heute. Europedia.